Hey there, friends. How are you doing this week? I hope you're having fun getting ready for Christmas. You know, a few people have told me over the last few days that they are behind on a few episodes. So you might not be listening to this a few weeks before Christmas when I originally publish it, but listen, no worries. That's the beauty of podcasts. There's no getting behind. It'll just be sitting here waiting for you whenever you have time. It's all good. In fact, the topic today came to my mind in preparing my heart for Christmas, but it really is something to consider all year long. So, like I said, it's all good. And before I get started on that, let me just pause and say, here's something kind of funny. Last Sunday, I talked to a bunch of people about getting ready for Christmas, and I said, oh yeah, I don't have a tree yet. And several people kind of went, oh, like it was something really bad. It it really made me laugh. I, I clearly do not, and maybe this doesn't surprise you, I don't get ready for Christmas like weeks and months and months ahead. I don't shop all year. That's what December is for, right? What do those people do who get ready before December 1st? What do they do for the month of December? I don't, I don't really get that. I'm very curious. Don't you want to be doing Christmassy things in December? I don't know. Well, hopefully it will make you feel better if you don't have a tree yet either, or presents or whatever. I mean, I have some presents, but it's all good. It'll all get done. Anyway, of course, I have a story to share with you. So, I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a while and finally going to do it today. And I was thinking a great intro to this topic involves my little brother. In case you didn't know it, I am one of five. I have two older brothers and a younger brother and sister. Yep, I'm a middle child, which, of course, is the best position to be in, in my opinion. You're the most flexible, most adaptable. It's great, right? And Wes is a middle child, too, so we are a family of both parents being middle children, which I really do think shaped our parenting to a degree, but I digress. Anyway, my younger brother is David, and this is the story I want to tell you. When David was three years old, he was super big into Santa, and he was even a little nervous around Santa because I guess he took it very seriously, this concept that Santa cares if you're good or bad. You know, in the song, it says, what does it say? He cares if you are good or bad, so be good for goodness sake, right? Well, that part never really bothered me. I wasn't too worried about it, but David was really into this whole thing. Anyway. Back at that time, my mom had a lady that would come clean our house every now and then. Her name was Mrs. Loggins. And apparently, Mrs. Loggins' husband volunteered to spend his Christmas Eve coming to our house to visit us as Santa. So here's what I vividly remember. My mom getting off the phone on Christmas Eve and saying, That was Mrs. Claus, and she said Santa is coming over to see us tonight. And we, including David, were all like, yeah, we know. That's why we're putting on our stockings. No big deal, Mom. And then she says, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Santa is making a special trip before he goes out in his sleigh to deliver toys to come see just you guys while you're awake. Well, you know, being at the grand old age of six, I was kind of skeptical. And I'm thinking, that's not how this works. But David, David went berserk. I really can't describe just how excited he was. I mean, take your normal average kid who's excited about Santa and just up it to like the 10th degree. David went from running in circles around the family room, repeatedly yelling, Santa, 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 to staring out the window to check if he was coming, 
to then attempting to sit very still in a chair because he wanted Santa to know he was a good boy. But then he wouldn't be able to contain himself and he would just repeat this process over and over again. It was hysterical. So you have to picture this scene. Our house sat on a big hill and from the family room window where David was looking out, you could see the front yard, but you couldn't see the road as that dipped out of view down the hill. And I kid you not, as I was really just watching David go through these motions, finally, one time, he's looking out the window, just as Santa emerges coming up the hill, seemingly out of nowhere. It was such a great moment. And you know what's funny? I don't even remember visiting with Santa that night. I just remember David being so incredibly excited and consumed with watching and waiting. Watching and waiting. You know, you might not be big on Santa, but to me, watching and waiting has a lot to do with Christmas. And what especially captures my attention is the call to watch. So often, I think the Bible has something to say about watch. I see that word a lot. And that's what I want to ponder today. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie Weber. And today, we're going to ponder what it means to watch. So, looking at the word watch in the Bible, I think Christmas is a great time to ask myself this question, and really, I guess, any time of year, but it's Christmas time right now. And that question is, am I paying attention to what matters? Because there's lots of demands on our time, a lot of busyness, a lot of preparing. I feel like we're constantly going from one thing to the next. And it can have the same effect as being lulled into sleep, as far as what the Bible describes, like wake up, be alert, watch, all are sort of the same thing. So that's what leads me to consider the word watch in the Bible. I want to just pause, breathe, and make sure I'm paying attention to what matters. Because it makes me realize the cares of the world can choke us to unfruitfulness. That's from the parable of the sower. Do you remember that expression, the cares of the world? I think it encompasses a lot of things. Here's what that verse says in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, I think it happens when we're not looking, when we're distracted. Nobody, no believer in Christ intends for the cares of the world to become more important than following Jesus. But doesn't that happen when we choose good instead of best? I think that threat of distraction is very real. And I think it's why we see that word watch and be alert and be so reminded in scripture so often. And that's why I told you that story about my brother. He was so focused. It's just such a great example of being completely consumed with watching. And I hope that we will be as focused and as excited to be watchful in the ways the Bible commands. So, that's the real question. Watch. Pay attention. Pay attention to what? I've put together a little list of what the scriptures that say watch are telling us to watch for so that we can pause 
and ponder and take into account whether we're watching or not and what to do about it. All right, so here's my list. What the Bible is telling us to be alert to. All right, the first thing we're supposed to watch, I think, is our own heart, our examining ourselves. Watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. That's actually from Mark 14. Jesus says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's easy to let sinful habits, sinful thought patterns just slip in. You know, rationalization is really sneaky, so watch out. When I fill my life with noise, it's difficult to stay alert and watchful. So here's what I'm asking myself about paying attention to this. When did I last have extended quiet in my life? I think quiet and listening are necessary parts of watchfulness and to help us to examine our own hearts and to watch and pray lest we enter into temptation. Another way we have to watch and be alert um, is our ministry. And not just people who work at church. We all have a ministry. How is God using you? That's your ministry. I think of Peter saying in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, shepherd the flock. Whether you're a mama with a little flock of your own, or God has you overseeing something else like a Bible study or a classroom, or just your relationship with your friends or co-workers, we all have people we pour into. Are we paying attention to that? 2 Timothy 4, 3-5 says, But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Be watchful in all these things and fulfill your ministry. So what distracts us or makes us sleepy in the work God has for us to do? Well, the first thing I think of is familiarity. We've always done it this way. We just keep doing the routine, keep it going. Maybe it's even become a little boring and we've forgotten how important this work is to God. I think God has a completely different scale of important than the world does. That's one reason we might become sort of not paying attention and lazy about it, really. Another reason, the urgent. Focusing on the urgent. Putting out fires can make us not look at the big picture. Not, we, we're just addressing the squeaky wheel and not paying attention to this important work God has given us to do. Or the whole idea of the good instead of the best. I know I'm so guilty of this, taking on too many things because they're good. It's buying into the idea that we have to do everything, and so nothing gets done well. Nothing is given our full attention. You know what? The Bible tells us to watch out. Watch and be alert. Be sober-minded. This means pause and study the task you have before you. Give attention. How's it going? When was the last time I asked God about the needs in this situation, this ministry, this relationship? Maybe I need a creative new plan from God to address current weaknesses or issues. I don't want to glide along in the way I've always done, just because that can easily become my own strength. Watchfulness means assessing the situation with God's eyes and then following through. Am I assessing the situation? in my home, in my relationships, in my workplace, 
and then fulfilling the ministry God has given me to do. Watching means paying attention. Am I paying attention to how I'm spending my time in the ministry I have, the people I care for? Am I paying attention not only to what they say, but what their words reveal about their hearts and their heart condition? And am I watching for how God can use me in those ways? That's all part of watching and being alert and shepherding a flock well. Paul told Timothy, and God tells us, but you be watchful in all things. Fulfill your ministry. The next one, I think we are meant to be alert. This one probably doesn't surprise you. We are meant to be alert to the world. This makes me think of Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah building the wall, and the world was trying to stop them, trying to distract them from doing the work of God. The people came and told them to stop, threatened them, wrote letters, and Nehemiah encouraged the people to keep serving God in this way. Here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 4. First, the bad guys coming. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. I think that's interesting. Their goal was to confuse them. Sounds like a distraction to me. And what did Nehemiah do? The next verse says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. They prayed and watched. They started guarding. So I have to ask myself, am I controlling the access the world has to my life? Am I guarding this or throwing open the gates and saying, come on in? There's supposed to be a guard. Pray and guard. Nope, you can't come in here. You can't be what I hear in my car or while I fall asleep or while I work out or even relax. Nope, I'm guarding this space. No world. I'm not going to let you distract me from what God wants me to do. You are not confusing me about my purpose. That is watching and being alert. Another one, another area that the Bible tells us to watch, might be the one you thought of first, is watch out for the enemy, Satan. Of course, Satan himself wants us sleepy and distracted. Anything to make us unfruitful and ineffective, right? Since he can't steal our salvation, he'll settle for stealing our witness and our effectiveness. This is a familiar verse from 1 Peter 5. It's uh, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So what are we to watch for? Well, what's he trying to do? Satan tries to bring worry and fear and make it consume us. False teaching is often mentioned, that we're to watch out for false teaching. Pride. Watch out for pride. That kind of comes back to examining ourselves, And watch out for idols. Satan's all about us worshiping anything but Jesus. So how do we watch out for those things? How do we stay alert to those things? Well, I think the verse before the one I read tells us. So I just said to you, be sober-minded, be watchful. Right before that verse comes this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then the next part says, resist him. 
So those are the things we need to do to be watchful. Watch and pray. So as I think about this being alert and watchful of the enemy, I want to make sure I'm not getting too focused on Satan himself. That it would be a distraction. And I think that does often happen. No, instead, knowing that I have to be watchful of the enemy, it makes me think of how this usually comes in two words. We most often see together, watch and pray. We can't be alert to the devil's schemes or resist him without God. So prayer, calling out to God to give us wisdom, to tell me when something's not right, to prick my conscience, or just to keep me humble. It isn't about our own strength. On our own, we'd be no match for the devil's schemes. And that's why it's watch and pray. Watch and pray. And then finally, of course, just like David was watching out that window for Santa, we are to watch for Jesus to return. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's Jesus talking in Mark 13. Of course, we're supposed to be watching for Jesus to return. He is coming back. But you know what? It can seem so far away. And in all reality, it might not even happen in our lifetime. But we're still supposed to watch for it. So how? How do we watch for that? I think the answer is to live in expectancy. Watching for Jesus is living with the expectation of his return at any minute. Watching for Jesus to return, it's like the difference between thinking I'm just sitting on the couch, binging Netflix, no one's coming over, the difference between that and, and how I act when I am actually expecting someone to arrive to my house. You know, when someone's coming over, I examine my house more closely. I see dirt that I didn't see for weeks. I see stuff laying around in places that I never noticed it. I could walk by it every day for a week and never even see it. And then when I hear someone's coming over, all of a sudden, I see that stuff and that dirt. So I examine my house more closely. I also prepare when I know someone's coming. I'll plan what we're going to eat. I might plan what we're going to do. I make sure I get dressed like I'm not in my pajamas, right? I plan and prepare when I know someone's coming over. And finally, I wait expectantly. If I know someone's about to come over, I'm not going to start a big project um, or, or get into some big activity that I would be in the middle of when they're there. I'm going to be ready for them whenever they get there. So, examining my house, preparing for them, and waiting expectantly. I have to ask myself, as I consider this word watch and all of the scriptures about be alert, be watchful, be sober-minded, Am I living like Jesus is about to knock on the door, examining, preparing, expecting? Watchfulness. It calls for quiet. It means consistent evaluation. It requires a guard. It demands prayer. And it increases expectancy. And now a final thought, since it is December, as I'm recording this. The shepherds were watching their flocks by night just doing their job, being watchful. And God showed up and did something of eternal significance, the birth of Jesus. And he made a special point of telling them about it and including them in it. 
Wow. May we be as diligent to watch and pray. Consider how God is specifically calling you to watch and pray today. Thanks for joining me. And remember, every time you see that word watch or be alert or be sober-minded or stay awake, remember that it calls for quiet. It means consistent evaluation. It requires a guard. It demands prayer and it increases expectancy. Let's remember that it was Jesus who said, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Till next time. Thank you.